This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we talk about the NetApp A-Team and the annual meetup at NetApp HQ called ETL. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi and uh, Glenn, you're here. I am. You weren't here this past week. I, w- I wasn't. No. I wasn't. I, well, well, I you was were here. though. You were here, but not there. Yeah. Neither here nor there. Um, Glenn Sizemore was in RTP while Andrew and I were out at the uh, NetApp A-Team ETL. Also known as the... Tech conference? No, what do we call it? The, the tech te- field day. Yeah, it's like loosely known as the tech field day, but they changed the name because they didn't want to infringe on the copyright of the actual tech field day. Makes sense. Which I didn't. I don't even know if they have a copyright, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. D- let's just keep it simple. Let's not confuse people. It makes sense to me. So it, 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 I guess it stands for extend, transform, and load. Extract, extract, transform, uh, load. Extract. Database terminology. Have not used the database is, in a long time. Is is that where that came from? That because is. I was I was a little bit of a scratch, you know, scratching my head, just like, okay, sure, ETL works for me, but yeah, I'd, I'm not real keen on it, the name of it, but whatever, you know, they yeah. like it, it's fine. So, Glenn, um, you were able to attend remotely for some of that, right? I was, I was, I uh, I had a bunch of work uh, this week that unfortunately I could not get out of, so I was not able to join the rest of the crew in person. Um, but but you know this is you know, 2016 and we have technology, so I was able to attend virtually uh, from from here in RTP. So what were your impressions of the overall event from a remote aspect? Um, well I I'd say twofold. Uh, one, there's there's a lot of stuff in flight. Um, we, we are not sitting on our laurels. Uh, we are not just sitting back on our haunches and waiting for the market to come to us. Uh, we are aggressively charging uh, where, where we think we've got advantages of. And, and I'm actually really excited to see uh, what, what the rest of the world thinks about this stuff. Uh, it, the, 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 the feedback uh, and energy that we got from the A-team uh, mostly aligned with what we thought where we thought it would be. Uh, but, but, yeah, it was... It was really kind of energizing to to just kind of have it all laid out in a condensed, basically two day EBC of here's everything that 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 that's going to be going down in the next six to eight months, and th- these are the big plays, and here's how we think the market's going to shake out, and and get a seeing the pitch, but then b being able to hear the the feedback to that pitch from quite frankly the people who know. Yeah, and there was some really positive reception to some of that, especially the the things coming around the bend for ONTAP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got uh, we've got some shows lined up and, and some schedules planned. Uh, we'll, we'll get the listeners all queued up with everything that's coming. It pretty quickly. Uh, th- we're not talking about distant future. This is near term. Yeah, yeah. It's coming right around the bend. It's funny because they had Quinn Summers uh, presenting, and out of out of this room, yeah, Quinn Summers has the best radio voice. Totally. Just like DJ of like you know nighttime DJ like slow jams or something. You can also just tell that 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 man is just as seasoned as product management gets. Like he has been in front of so many firing squads, just so many customers over the years, time and time again. He just has the patience 
and and he's got his trade down to just a finely honed comb. Uh, oh, and he, was, need, he needed the patience. It was wildly <laughs> impressive to watch that guy work. Just walk through incredibly complex technology, answering and fielding very, very, very deep questions. Um, but at the same time, like just never getting down, never, never, never taking anything personally. Just yeah. like okay, no, didn't, thank didn't you very get much. Flustered and yeah. just yeah, handle yeah. it real well. Very impressed. So out of those uh, presentations, which one struck uh, the greatest chord to you? Like, what was the? Well, I mean, I've I of course I'm going to go with the FlexPod presentation. There you go. But... I set it up for you, <laughs> and you spiked it. Yeah. I of course would go with the FlexPod presentation, but but again, that's not, that's another case where we're not resting on our laurels. You know, we're not sitting back and waiting for for you know wh- what's going to happen to happen. Uh, we have an opinion about how we feel this market is going. We have an opinion as to what we think customers need, and we are actively pursuing those solutions and 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 bringing that to market. So, um, as you can tell, we're not really giving any specific details about what the presentations were about because one of the advantages of the NetApp A team and one of the advantages of going to the ETL is that you get NDA future stuff, you get the upcoming plans for things. Of course, they and you can't talk about it until it's like real, but you know. That's that's one of the advantages of the A team that that they get, and the A team itself it's it's our partner driven uh, social media advocacy people who really genuinely love NetApp and they they advocate for NetApp, but they don't work for NetApp, so it actually comes across as genuine. Well, because it is. I mean, you know, they they right. they are literally not getting anything for it other than things like the ETL, and every now and again they get, they get to ask a question directly because they happen to know the person who has the answer, um, but but. You know, they're not getting preferential treatment on deals or, or anything like that. These are just people who work with, with our products who choose to advocate on our behalf. Yep, and they also choose to yell at us when it's appropriate. Oh, boy, do they ever. Oh, they do. <laughs> so it's a lot different than when the Tech on Tap podcast says how cool NetApp is, right? And yeah. Andrew, you're awfully quiet over there. No, I'm uh, I'm reminiscing right about the uh, two days that we were there and just a uh, lot of really good presentations, a lot of fantastic feedback right and i take the approach of um you know yeah it wasn't negative feedback it was you know honest positive criticism right yeah. and it's because they care right yep. they they want to see things succeed so i mean yeah as we were just saying right quinn summers um sometimes got some comments that were you know things along the lines of like well why would you do that and yes there's rationale behind it and it's you know they're they're asking these types of things right hard questions sometimes pointy questions Right, because they they genuinely care. So uh, it's it's immensely helpful um, and and uh, honestly somewhat uh, uh, inspiring. Right, that our partners care that much, and our one customer on the A team. Yeah, we do actually have a customer, like an inaugural customer on the A team there. So um, Stephen Cortez, and actually he's fairly new to the A team, and he did a great job. I mean, he, he was, did. Yeah, and it's good to have that perspective from the customer side because you're not just in there to sell stuff you're in there to buy stuff and you need to hear from the people who are buying it so much as you do that the people are selling it so i'd be remiss to not thank the person who has been running this netapp 18 for the last several years samantha moulton so uh samantha moulton has brought these people together uh she takes care of them when they're out there she makes sure they're you know well fed well drank uh well uh uh oh god what's the word um fluid fluid no Uh, hydrated hydrated yes well hydrated well hydrated 
Uh, make sure that they have things that they can talk about. Uh, she brings together all the presenters, make sure they're all briefed and they know what the A-team's all about and make the presentations as appropriate to what they want to hear as possible. So thank you, Sam Moulton, for putting all that together. And if you want to follow the NetApp A-team on Twitter, they're at NetApp A-team. So without further ado, we've been talking about uh, what the A-team is all about and you know why they were at the ATL. So let's go ahead and hear from some of the NetApp A-team and from their own words of what they thought about the ETL, what they think about NetApp in general, and where they see NetApp going as a company. All right, man. All right, we're here today with the Tech uh, Tap podcast team as well as the NetApp A team. We are attending the ETL uh, here in Sunnyvale at the EBC. Uh, basically, the ETL is a group of presentations where we talk about the futures of NetApp, the direction, and then we let the A team just yell at people. A lot of fun for everyone except for the people presenting. Uh, Andrew, what did you think of overall of the, uh, the event? So I think the event went great, although I have to say I was slightly confused by the fact that we're in the Sunnyvale room in Sunnyvale. Um, that, that was about the worst for me. But no, uh, so I did do a brief presentation. Uh, thought it went great, right? You guys are, are always, you guys, I'm looking out at the room of, of seven or eight of us, um, great at providing feedback, at providing insight, and helping us to just improve things overall um, and I cannot speak highly enough and I know that we've had a number of executives in the room over the last two days and uh, everybody is unanimous right you guys are an incredible asset and we can't thank you enough for uh, donating your time for and helping us what's great about the concept of the A-team is that you know it's it's the whole concept of family right so what you're doing is you're bringing in the people that love you so they can tell you how terrible you are so what we're going to do first is we're going to go around the room. Uh, we did a small group, and then we're going to do another small group. But we're going to just go around and talk about different things that we learned here. We're just going to have a set of questions that we have people answer. But we're going to go first with intros. Each person will tell us what their name is, where they come from, and uh, something that makes the A-team worthwhile to them. Hi, my name's Mark Carlton. I work at RACS uh, from the UK. Uh, the reason the A-team really stands out to myself is uh, it's been part of a, a, a group of um, technical people across the globe that have been able to absorb a lot of information, um, but it's also getting to meet a lot of people from me within the industry. Um, in the last six months of being part of the A-team, I've really developed what I know about, and that's by feeding off of other people within the A-team, as well as being able to get the access to NetApp and uh, the higher levels within NetApp. Hi, I'm Taylor Riggin. I'm a senior solutions engineer for ByteWorks in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and like, kind of like Mark said, I, I really enjoy the just the sense of community and uh, sharing the passion for, for NetApp and the technologies that they brought to the table. Hi, I'm Chris Mackey, a solution architect out of Scalar Decisions in Vancouver, Canada. I think what I like best about the A-team is that it's almost like a mini insight on steroids so that you have this community of very smart people that know NetApp products quite well. And then you have access to all these developers and executives at NetApp that, that you don't normally have access to. I also really like the fact that I never have to read manuals because as Justin will attest, I just ask all my questions in Slack and uh, that way I don't have to read manuals. Hi, I'm Roy McBride. I'm also from ROECS in the UK, a technical partner manager there. Um, I'm just uh, pleased really to get um, FaceTime, I think, with the whole A-team um, and sort of be able to, as a community, talk to, to the 
the company that I think we've all come to know and love over many years uh, and provide both the positive and the negative feedback to help move things forward. Hi, my name's Paul Stringfellow. I'm Technical Director of Garden Systems uh, based in Liverpool in the UK. Uh, seems to be lots of guys from the UK here all of a sudden. Um, I think the, uh, the power of the NetApp 18 for me is this kind of sense of community. I think in technology, technology community is absolutely critical to make sure that we get the right kind of technology from the right vendors in, into our customers to help solve the right kind of problems. And it's been really refreshing here to um, kind of have NetApp here, some real tough love, uh, picking up on Justin said about families. Now I think it's the, I've been really impressed by the guys who've been here and what they've been prepared to listen to and, you know, and being given that kind of opportunity to, to discuss with people who can make decisions and make a difference to, to the products that we see go out into the marketplace. So I think it's really valuable and it's been a real good use of our time over here. Trey Davis with iVision uh, out of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, senior consultant, been on the team a couple of years now and, and just kind of, I guess, to piggyback off what everybody else has said, community, right? It's the big thing when, um, when you can talk about certain issues with these guys and we're somewhat of our own support organization um, and then to be able to feed off of a, you know, I've got this going on, have you seen this and others, you know, reaching out to you guys or to everybody else as well. And so it's just great to be able to, to come together at these events once a year outside of Insight to uh, to really help sit down with some of these folks that we've that we've met with and 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 have that unique opportunity to play a role and and you know the, the, the strategies and the decisions that are going to be made you know for NetApp moving forward. So it's just really cool. Jesse Anderson, also with iVision out of Atlanta. I'm a senior storage engineer. Um, I'm not going to rehash it. These gentlemen have said it so much better than I think I could possibly ever said it. Community, community, access to information. NetApp people are awesome. I'm just here for the beer. Fair enough, Jesse. Fair enough. At least you're honest. If anything else. All right. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go around and kind of get overall impressions of the ETL. What did you enjoy about it? What did you think about it? Uh, so the ETL start, uh, stands for Extract, Transform, and Load. Uh, database term, apparently, I've been told. Uh, database guys so whatever all right so what we're going to do is we're going to go around to a few of you and ask what your overall impressions of the etl were uh and what you think the value add is there and why it's important to you to attend this so who wants to start trey tell us tell us all about what you think about the etl um this year it was um still pretty good with some of the uh, sessions we had and um there were some some comments made about you know it seems like we have to rehash things sometimes but I think kind of the last hour that we had in there with, with some of the likes of Dave Hitz and the EVP program uh, folks that some of them actually got to see, you know, us in our, you know, kind of our natural state and, and just let it rip, just let it all out with, with folks like, you know, with Dave Hitz in the room and Steve Botkin and, and Joe Kaufman. And some of these people had never seen the A-Team or heard the A-Team. And, and when they see Dave Hitz standing there and us just unloading and him agreeing with us, right, and, and wanting to know what we can do to make things better, um, I think that's a very powerful message. And um, hopefully that spreads and that, you know, these these top people in, the, in their areas realize that we're not just here to complain. We're here to help drive, you know, change and, and make that more successful. So that last little bit was really good. All right. So what I'm hearing is that it's a mutual beneficial uh, project here. So, we, you know, NetApp gets the benefit of having you guys here with honest feedback. You guys get the benefit of getting access to, to people that you don't normally get access to, right? You wouldn't you wouldn't be able to see Dave Hitz on the street normally, right? So you get Dave Hitz, you get access to him, you get access to other experts here at NetApp. You get information that you don't would not get normally if you were not a part of this uh, A-team. All right, who's next? 
I really like the the unpresentation format. Um, we had we had a couple of a uh, couple of presenters that came in, and they they pretty much put blank slide decks up on the screen, and they're like, "You guys, you guys, you guys are in the field. You see what the requ- what, what the requirements are that the customers have. You tell us what you're seeing." And it it really kind of led to a brainstorming session of sorts where we were able to give real world feedback on what we're seeing in the market, what the needs are and setting the direction for where a lot of these products are going to be heading in the future. What I'm hearing is the unpresentation model not being killed with PowerPoint, you know, death by PowerPoint. Yeah. To be fair, you got some of that here. We didn't, we didn't overlook that, that you hate that, so we made sure to give you some. <laughs> so, all right, uh, who's next? Mark Carlton, what do you think? I agree with uh, Taylor uh, on the presentations. Uh, this was my first time at the ETL. Um, I... I found it quite uh, uplifting at the same time, just just by sitting in the room with everybody and listening to NetApp being open. Uh, the conversations, because they weren't presentation-led and we weren't just seeing a deck and having a scripted, um, someone someone scripting something to us, it was a, it was an open conversation. We asked questions and we got to know answers. Um, I, I really enjoyed the first session of the day on Monday uh, with, with the new CTO. It was it was seeing a new refreshing way of uh, of where NetApp's going and what the plans are for NetApp, um, and it really set me off to a a, a good piece. Um, but yeah, I think I think the ETL it's, it's very important that we do it. So we got some opinions about what the ETL was all about for these people, what why it was valuable for them. Let's talk a little bit about more about the presentations. You know, we meant we touched on how it was good to have no slides how it was good to kind of learn different things. What was the one that stood out to you the most besides the uh, the no slide presentation? As far as information goes, Chris Mackey. This year, I have to say that uh, Quinn's presentation was my favorite. Uh, in years past, there's been a few misses, and I think we sent some presenters out of the room crying. But uh, overall, it was very well done this year. Um, the the uh, ONTAP Futures was uh, my favorite. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to talk about some of this stuff for a long time. I wouldn't say a long time, you know. But so Quinn Summers is who he's referring to. One of our product, ma- our director of product managers here at NetApp, gave a compelling presentation on the future of ONTAP. Um, so that's good. You guys got some information about what ONTAP is is doing, where it's going. Uh, Paul Stringfellow, what did you see? I thought the um, presentation we had with Joel and Adam um, around manageability software was really, really interesting. Because I think more than any of the presenters that we had in, they were the two guys who heard something took it and thought, you know what, that's, that's absolutely delivering what I need to feed back into NetApp because I think those guys see some challenges in what they're trying to do and wanted to have that, uh, wanted to have that from the field so you know, to, to give them some kind of uh, you know, validation of what, they're, what, what they think they need to be able to see. And I thought it was a really interesting conversation around what we see in the field and what we see around the importance of manageability tools, the ability to manage our data and our information across lots of different repositories in the future. So I think the guy's got a real challenge in, in getting that manageability piece right, but I think those two guys took that took that information away with them, and let's hope they get some support to do something with it. So a little backstory on that. After that whole presentation, an email went out immediately to you know the higher-ups of that product, and, and conversations were started. So that feedback was actually taken in real time and actually delivered to the people that can make those decisions. So value add there. Rory McBride. Give us uh, an opinion about the ETL and what presentations you enjoyed. Um, I would have to say that, uh, you know, seeing how well SolidFire has been integrated into the family, I suppose, is the best way, uh, not just portfolio. And with, uh, you know, even though Dave Wright could make it, he took time to 
to be on WebEx with us. Um, Val, as always, was, was a strong presenter uh, and, and gave us uh, the insight that we were looking for into what that family, what that portfolio of products is doing for, for data management over the next 6 to 12 months is going to be key to, to NetApp's future. One of the things they actually delivered in that presentation was the teaser they've been kind of giving out in the uh, in social media sphere where it's, hey, June 2nd, we're coming out with something. It's, it's going to be coming up. Look out for it. So um, kind of a sneak preview for people who aren't in the A-team or they're on the A-team to be able to see things and, and hear things that other people aren't hearing. In classic A-team form, because we love you guys so much, but we also know that we, we can take your opinions, whether they're good or bad. So let's go with the bad. Let's get a little negative here. Where did you see in the whole uh, ETL where NetApp could improve? So we're going to go with Taylor Riggin. Yeah, I think overall there's been a, a bit of a lack of distrust with uh, NetApp and, and their partner community uh, around getting us access, early access to uh, new products or new versions of products. So I think, you know, while making that negative comment, turning it into a positive, there's a lot of good traction made this week and 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 trying to resolve those issues, right? We, we're, we're trying to work through and brainstorm on some ideas around how to get us early access so that we can actually support our clients better and give them an idea of what's to come and be ready so that when the products are launched, we're ready to, to roll those out and support those with our clients. Sometimes things happen where it's a communication issue, and when you get in front of somebody in real time and you know in real life, you can clear up any communications issues that you're having. You know, email doesn't necessarily solve it. Phone calls don't necessarily solve it, especially when the phone calls are kind of just broadcasts, right? You know, getting on a, an SIW or something. So you guys can give a lot in real time feedback, and you have to see people squirm, which is always great for entertainment value. All right, um, Mark Carlton. I think one of the areas uh, that NetApp's kind of fallen behind is the marketing area. When we went through that presentation, uh, it highlighted a lot of. Um, a lot of things to me where they, they seem to be quite disconnected from what the, from the partners. Um, and this kind of feeds into what Taylor was saying around getting the access. Um, everything always seems to be like a soft launch at the moment. Uh, no products are actually shouted about. NetApp's a great product. NetApp's got a lot of fantastic products coming down the line as well as new releases of things. And this is, this is something that they should be going out and really talking about in the marketplace, providing the, the material to, to us as A-teamers and to the partners to be able to start going out and shouting about to customers. And I think that's somewhere where they really need to start to strengthen. So just curious, you know, what was it that set it off for you with the marketing piece? Was it the, the uh, time where he showed you his MySpace profile? Was that it? I mean, was that a clue that we didn't know what was going on? Can you, fo can you follow me on MySpace? Google Plus? That's, that's harsh, man. Too soon. Too soon. No, literally, it's too soon. It's still up. Justin put a lot of time into his Google Plus profile, just, just so you know. He's a little hurt. That's right. One of the things that kind of stuck out with me was uh, the talk about trust between NetApp and the partners um, and also the overall community. But it also goes back to NetApp to be able to take that risk. NetApp is a very risk-adverse company. And you hear that with how guarded they are about their early access program, the documentation, getting it out to people, getting the software out to people um, a little bit ahead of time, just so we can at least get it out in front of us, or get it out in front of us, so then we can have it ready for the customers whenever it actually goes live. Um, breaking down that that wall of, I don't want to say fear, but that wall of uh, restraint to be able to take a little bit of risk, uh, I think would be a good thing. Kind of a get get outside of your comfort zone. 
So essentially, you want NetApp to participate in a trust fall with you? Absolutely. Paul Stringfellow. I think what Jesse just said there, and, and one of the couple of other guys were kind of alluded to, that uh, what's really powerful about the podcast that you guys run as well is it's what's really important in the market is educating people at the powerful kind of technology that NetApp have got out there and the kind of things that NetApp can deliver for their customers. Because one of the big challenges we come against is that often that message is just not out there. So when that message isn't there, what's out there about what NetApp can do can be misinformation, can be misleading, and, and that can hurt, NetApp's market can hurt us as partners. You know, so, so for, for NetApp to understand that it's important to get the right tools and the right information into the hands of the right people, you know, that's really, really valuable. And I think lots of people over the last couple of days have heard that. And, you know, as we talked about before, the management tools are taking that away, starting to feed that back into the business. I think they found that valuable that that's how we feel. So hopefully that, that's going to that's gonna help deliver things not just for NetApp and the partners, but for NetApp customers as well, because they're going to get to see the right kind of information and the right kind of education be, be easily accessible to them. So you know, I think some real powerful stuff in there. Pete Fletcher wants to talk, but we're not going to let him. <laughs> All right, Pete Fletcher, you can talk. So for me, for me, Justin, one of the things that's cool is that coming from NetApp and now being at VMware and being able to attend this was really exciting because there were things I probably would not have said in that room as a NetApp employee, but being able to come to the room and, and share with these guys some candor on what NetApp is not doing right, uh, but in, in a group of people that will listen. And to me, the exciting part was just about everybody we spoke to, they were taking notes. You know, and they were listening, and they would come back to us after the fact with already having some action items. And so, you know, that was exciting for me because there's no—it's not a secret. NetApp has been NetApp is a great company, but it has struggled in the past. And I love to see the fact that they're listening now. I love to see the fact that they're making that change. It's exciting for me to be part of it, and so I'm definitely rooting for them. I'm hearing the negatives, but I'm not hearing a lot of negatives about the actual product. It's more about the presentation of the product. Perception is suffering, but we're trying to turn that around. To segue into to the next thing, you know, overall, you know, how do you feel NetApp is doing in terms of improving that perception, turning the giant ship around, to quote Chris Mackey, making NetApp great again? So what do, what do you guys think? Who wants to go start off with that as far as direction of NetApp? I think uh, Dave Hitz said it best today when he commented that for the past three or something years, they've just been working their ass off getting feature parity and. It's pretty much there now, and they can actually take a breath and listen to the community of users once again. Val actually brought up a really good point yesterday, um, and he gave an unbelievable uh, analogy to it. You know, now with, with SolidFire um, being a part of NetApp, um, NetApp's go-to-market is both with SolidFire and their traditional, traditional FAS. And, and how do they bring those two solutions to market and solve customer problems and not have those two solutions wreck everything for them, right? So it's it, it's a, a matter of how do we look at the two solutions and what they're trying to accomplish. It's like how, how do we how do we bring solid fire to the table as consumable infrastructure and what it is and where its strengths are, and then also bring FAS to the table as the data protection platform of note that we've been doing with our customers all along. How do we do that and, and not have the two really be internally competing solutions? So, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you raised the point about, you know, where does SolidFire fit in the portfolio? Are we competing against ourselves? And that's a question that gets asked by a lot of people, and the answer always is no, right? I mean, we have different things for different use cases. You know, you have your EF for your drag racer, really high-speed stuff. you got your ONTAP for your, you know, Swiss Army knife of storage. 
you get your solid fire for your, your extreme scale out scenarios, you know. So there there are use cases for everything. You don't want to put a solid fire into where an ONTAP would, would go. You don't want to put an ONTAP in where solid fire would go because you're just setting yourself up for failure. Um, so what it actually does instead of competing against yourself is it opens up the entire portfolio for customers to choose from and have a solution that fits their needs right then, right there. Stringy. Paul Stringfellow. I think um, everything Taylor said, actually, I think it's right. You know, for me, when you hear from the likes of Dave Hitch, we heard from uh, Mark on, on the, the, the first morning, that I think, you know, from as an outsider looking in, absolutely, I think NetApp understand the marketplace they're in. I think you understand where the technology trends are going. I think the challenge that NetApp have is that NetApp are a really big storage company. You know, they're a $6 billion a year company. They're not a startup. They're not a, they're not a company who've got, look at what everybody's given, doing wrong for the last 10, 15 years. Let me fix that. And I think it's real easy sometimes to kind of get lost in the, you know, let's look at what company, company A, new company A on the streets doing, look how cool all that is. Yeah, but they're not built, they're not having to, retrofit and retrofix things that they've been running for the last 10, 15 years. They don't have a huge enterprise customer base. So I think NetApp, are, so, so NetApp have got two challenges. I think absolutely understand that the, the direction where the, the world's going, you know, and, they're, they're, and, and we'll definitely get there with the leadership that they've got and, and they're going to, you know, change some of the focus of, of what NetApp do as a, as a storage company, as a data management company long term. But I think sometimes we, we also have to be a little bit patient with there's a whole bunch of really big things that need turning around and some of those things might turn far more slowly than um, you know perhaps than the room has felt that it should do over the last couple of days as well. I think there's a you know but people have repeated we've been asking for these things for for quite a while to you know to allow us to educate customers allow us to educate the market better. But I think sometimes we do have to understand NetApp's a big ship and big ships don't turn real quick. Um, so but yeah, you know, absolutely got. The, the right focus for where the organization is trying to go and the challenges that they're trying to address long term. But I think alongside that, some of those things might take a little bit longer than, than we might want them to. Sometimes it's not so much having the idea or having the opinion, but finding the right person to tell it to, right? So sometimes you're just not get hitting the right person that can do something about it. And what we try to do is put the people in front of you that are able to maybe make those decisions, make those changes, or at least get the ball rolling and get it in the ears of the people who can. Jesse Anderson, did you have anything you wanted to say? Whenever we started, we had Mark, the new CTO, come in and give a vision. And he, he kind of gave his backstory, his history, how he came to where he was at. And the whole story I found really interesting. But I did enjoy his, his vision. He didn't give like specific milestones, where are we going to be at within five years, but he gave a direction. And he also knows that NetApp is a, a big company and it doesn't turn on a dime. Um, his embracing of, I guess embracing, his, uh, his talk about open source technologies, different plays that NetApp can get into, the solid fire acquisition, um, it just really resonated with me as a five year, five, 10 year long term plan uh, that I hadn't heard really good from anyone the last couple of years, except for maybe Insight last year. But that, that whole vision that he gave, I, I found really enjoyable and inspiring. To add a little color to that, so Mark Bregman's actually, he's, he's not a, you know, career NetApp guy, right? He came in externally, and he saw what we were doing here, and he actually said it was when he read the white papers on cluster data on tap, where he was like, oh, that, I get that. I really want to come here and do something with that. And so he was inspired by that. And the direction we're going now is taking that a step further, and, and I really like the way he's presenting that and, and making it clear for everybody in the room so that there's no question about what we're trying to do here. So, Sully, did, did you want to add anything to that? No. 
Awesome. Thank you, Sully, for, for your classic, succinct answers. Thank you guys for coming in here and recording with us. We're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Again, thank you all for attending. Thank you all for having a great time with us and just being awesome advocates for NetApp in general, if Sully wants to talk. So, Justin, I think it's also important to point out that uh, Sam Moulton put a lot of work into this and making sure that um, not only we as participants and presenters, but coordinating logistically, um, cat herding, right, all of us, right, everything else. So uh, we definitely want to make sure and say thanks to Sam and all the hard work that she put in. And also thanks to you guys, right, from, from me, from Justin, from, from NetApp, right, for all of your feedback. And then, uh, of course, thanks to all the uh, executives and presenters that came out for the ETL. Glenn says thanks, too, but he's actually not here. So, guys, um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you because they thought whatever you said was just completely awesome and they want to follow you on Twitter, what are your Twitter handles? Uh, we'll start with Mark. At mcarlton1983. All right, Taylor Riggin. At trigan and uh, wafflehouse.com is my website. All right, Chris Mackey. At Chris Mackey, Mackey likes sushi. M-A-K-I, right? Yeah, there we go. All right, at Rory. It's at McBride underscore Rory. Uh, that's R-U-A-I-R-I. Paul Stringfellow. I can never spell Rory's name wrong either. Uh, it's at TechStringy, uh, and you can get me at techstringy.wordpress.com because I'm still too tight to buy the domain name. Trey Davis. It's uh, at ntap underscore seal or at uh, netappseal.com. So is it like a Navy seal or like the barking seal? Excellent. Jesse Anderson. Uh, on Twitter at Sockeyes51, Sockeyes like the fish, or storagedeconstructed.com. All right, some great comments there. We had Jesse Anderson, Trey Davis, Rory McBride. We also had uh, Mark Carlton. I called him Clayton a few times because I know a guy named Mark Clayton. Uh, we also had uh, Chris Mackey. You remember Chris Mackey, Glenn? Oh, do I ever. You know what? We should tack on, if we can find it, we should tack on to the end of this podcast the one time I tried to interview him and screwed his name up for 10 minutes straight. I'm sure we still have it on the recorder there. Andrew was there. I was there. We were all there. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't get everyone from the NetApp A team onto the podcast. Uh, we were going to bring another group in, but we were running out of time, and we had to get on the bus to go do fun things. So, Which, which brings me to my my favorite part of that day, which was... When we were standing outside of the restaurants, Justin and I standing outside of the restaurant waiting for everybody else to arrive, and somebody thought that we were bouncers. <laughs> yeah. and comes up and like hands Justin his ID, and he's yeah. like, "Hey guys," ah! and we're both like, "Uh, yeah." There's so, we don't, we're not checking IDs, but there is a ten dollar cover charge. Um, you know, yeah. two drink minimum. Tip your waitresses. So we were standing there in our yes! like black A-team shirts with their arms crossed right in front of the door. So I, I can see why maybe, especially with Andrew, you know, he kind of looks like a bouncer. But yeah, so yeah, that guy totally thought we were bouncers. Oh man, when stuff like that happens, you just got to roll with it. Just just look at his ID, just kind of give him a, a little sideways hand, hand it back and be like, have a good day, buddy. <laughs> yeah, if I had been thinking on my feet there. And then we moved down a little bit and we're talking to Terry Pelosi from the communities. And uh, as I'm talking to her, I swallow a bug. So that was fun, hacking up a bug, totally grossing out Terry. She's like, oh, God, go wash your hands right now. Not sure how you got your hands dirty swallowing a bug. Because <laughs> I had to, like, you know, reach in there and extract <laughs> oh, the bug. Oh, oh, I didn't want to ask. Okay. <laughs> we may want to hey, cut that. It was either he, him or me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. 
interesting bouncer stories aside, uh, uh, I'll tell you what. Another highlight for me uh, of of the ETL um, was was getting to hear from from one of our favorites, uh, Mr. Val Berkovici, uh, who uh, is now the field CTO for for Solid Fire. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So so I have that right. Um, he gave an, a really energetic presentation to the A team. A lot of really great information and and an interesting perspective. Uh, kind of a preview of the message that he and his 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 crew of ninjas are, are taking out into the world right now, um, but but as I understand it, you guys got a chance to sit down with him. Yeah, so um, you know we didn't get to interview the rest of the A team, so we stuck around a little bit to interview Val to give him you know get his take from a presenter perspective. You know, how did you think the you know the ETL went um, while they were off go karting? Which we missed out on go karting, but we got to talk to Val for like three hours, so that's worth it. Yeah, I think you won. Yeah, totally won. So we didn't get medals for that. You know, they, the go-karters got medals, but, you know, whatever. So uh, while we were talking to Val, we asked him his thoughts on the ETL, and uh, so here it is. Tech on Tap podcast here today with uh, Val Berkovici. So are you still the Cloud Czar? That's a really good question. I don't know if I want to give that title up because it's been one of my favorite icebreakers for a long time now, but officially, no. I used to joke at the kickoff a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago now that today was my last day when I was announcing, you know, the breakout session. I was leading a kickoff and everyone, ooh, ah, and then said, well, because I'm joining Solid Fire now. So from a brand perspective, the cleanest way to think of it is just Solid Fire CTO. That's good. That's good. So Solid Fire CTO, not quite giving up the Cloud Czar title um, because once you do, I'm just going to steal it. You should. I I joke internally. In fact, in a lot of my discussions that the only way to or the first rule of Czar Club the way to stay being a czar, not just you know start being a czar, is to see the revolution coming. And the revolution clearly is cloud, flash, new consumption models, new ecosystems to integrate into. And Solid Fire has spent so much time in those spaces that it kind of became a natural thing for me to do. Speaking of that, we were talking earlier about uh, cloud and using, like, say, you know, Google Docs and you know manage Google and, and using that for you know workplace stuff. And there's some consternation with people about using stuff like Google Docs in the workplace, you know, a little worried about security, a little worried about having it be available at all times. And you kind of shot that down, rightfully so. So let's let's hear again for everyone else out there what you were uh, talking about there. Yeah, I love that you brought that up. So one of the things I've seen on the SolidFire side now is just how incredibly productive you can be with a cloud-based, you know, full end-to-end workflow environment, collaboration environment, document creation and editing and so forth. And in G Drive, I guess, for business is the official name of the service that SaltFire uses. They used to use Gmail as well. But when you have it in a managed environment as opposed to a personal environment, you've got all sorts of professional things going on. You've obviously got professional authentication against a directory. You've got proper authorization, who can and cannot see documents. You've got audit, auditing going on in that environment. So in my mind, uh, you could argue whether one is more secure than the other, but you certainly couldn't argue that there's a huge deficiency of security in the cloud side anymore. And more so, um, I wish I remembered the exact term that Microsoft uses, but from an Azure perspective, an Azure security perspective, I was watching uh, Mark Rusinovich, who I respect quite a bit from his internal days, who's the CTO of Azure now talk, and he mentioned that from a security perspective, they've got uh, an assume breached, you know, assume breach first mentality which is the reality if you talk to any security professional in the industry today. If you think you haven't been hacked, you're in a world of hurt and trouble you know, that's coming up for you. So it's a question of do you know to what extent you've been hacked? Do you know, you know what the consequences are? Have you got a plan to at least prevent that same hack from happening in the future? 
that's a modern security posture. And I don't see any difference from a modern, you know, cloud services perspective today or internal mature internal enterprise IT practice today. I think it's kind of a wash and there's much more important real security issues to deal with and to debate which platform is more secure. And as I said, if you're not being hacked, you're not doing it right. I mean, <laughs> nobody you, you, cares about you. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> All right. So uh, we mentioned you're at ETL this week and uh, you were actually fortunate enough to be thrown to the wolves. I mean, the A-team. <laughs> to present, um, and you did a presentation about SolidFire. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your experience you know, from being on the other side, because we, we talked to the A-team guys about being on their end, but let's get a perspective of somebody who presented at ETL and, and what you experienced and you know what sort of lessons you took from it. So the clearest thing that I'm seeing right now, it's really clear, is that in the same accounts, in the same Global 2000 accounts, in the same mid-market accounts, you know, maybe not so much in the SMB because that's not really where SolidFire plays, but in all the same accounts, there are entirely different people that tend to request SolidFire meetings and tend to buy and consume you know, SolidFire technology. And they tend to be the kind of people, you know, that you know, effing hate storage. You know, that quote has gone around <laughs> Twitter quite a bit. It's, yes. it's one of Dave Wright's original that we all parrot yes. quite well. But what it really means is that they're literally operating at a higher level. And that's not to mean, you know, to demean what happens at the lower layers of infrastructure, because to be a full stack engineer, you've kind of got to understand at a low level how packets are routed inside a switch. You've got to understand LUNs and, and blocks on disk and, and sectors and so forth. But to operate at a higher level means really thinking about well, what platform am I going to add business value on? You know, what is my actual service to my end user going to be? What's the, of course, user experience for my user going to be like? Is it going to be smooth or not? It's nowadays going to be mostly all digital. So can I track the end-to-end -end experience and have a lot of metrics as well as a subjective feedback from the user, a lot of quantitative data through their, their evolution of their experience with my product or service? So when you talk to people at that level, they all absolutely need storage because data is at the heart of what they do. Got to put it somewhere, right? Got to put it somewhere, but they just don't care specifically where. They, they have, they've been trained by AWS and others to say that here's a service level of storage that I need. So sometimes that involves a, a, an interface like block, less and less file, but more and more block and object. So an interface style and literally an expectation. I get what I pay for. If I want more performance and more durability, I pay more. If I can do with less performance or less, less uh, durability or so forth, I pay less. And I get what I pay for, and I can buy as little of it or as much of it as I want, and I can change my mind at any given time. I really don't care about the specific media underneath that. I care about how many IOPS. I care about what my capacity is. Again, I care about how often it's replicated to multiple regions. I care about the durability, and then that sort of the, the extent to what I care about. And that's what we really have to recognize is what the modern buyer cares about. You can look at all these demographic studies that Millennials now are the majority of the workforce. And maybe that's a 34% majority, but now they are the majority. And so their mentality in terms of what they expect as users, and very soon now over time, what they expect as leaders and executives uh, is fundamentally different. They grew up in that era of abundance as opposed to scarcity. And they care less and less about the plumbing, just like you and I don't care about the BIOS or, or EFI on our laptops, even though it's essential. We used to hack the BIOS all the time and over, over, you know, overclock our CPUs. I don't do that much anymore. Um, so I think at a different level, and I think the, the modern buyer does as well. It's funny. As I've become a little more technical throughout my career, I started to gain a new appreciation for something that a lot of people deal with 
and don't realize it was, but the OSI layer, right? So your your <laughs> yeah. your networking layers, and you you get asked it in every interview, and they're always like, "What's the OSI layer?" And you have to recite it. You always come up with a mnemonic device to remember it. Right. But as you get into troubleshooting and more de- you know deep technical layer levels, you start realizing the value of that, and you can actually apply the OSI layer to what you're talking about in terms of who you're selling to, because right now you're selling to the application layer. Whereas before you were say selling to maybe layer three, right. layer two, even layer one in some cases, right? So you have to think further up the stack, whether it's OSI layer, whether it's you know different levels of whoever you're dealing with in terms of positions. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic there. That said, I mean, with the ETL and what you presented, I mean, what what was your impression of the overall uh, feedback that you were getting from the A team? as well as the questions you were getting. You know, were you getting good questions? Were you getting good feedback? And did it help you take things back to as action items to your own org? So just you know, to, to get the obvious out there, I, I love the A-team and I love the whole ETL you know, events that we have. Uh, in the same spirit, of course, as uh, Foskett's tech field days and storage field days, it's just a wonderful thing to get a bunch of really motivated, inter- interested people together, whether they're analysts or practitioners, or in our case, also business partners, and just geek out on all of our favorite topics and learn something new or very often learn something that's old that you weren't aware of, but you've actually got someone with authority to to clarify a particular point. So all sorts of really cool stuff there. Uh, One of the things that's really interesting to me is that I kind of knew going in that this is, by their nature, a very deep sort of ONTAP-centric audience. And what I'm trying to do is, again, have, I love the reference to the model you have, have a, a higher, you know, level OSI discussion with them and, and articulate the importance for, you know, or the need for that, for, for why that's so important. So that was kind of one of my main missions there. Um, so we, we spent a little bit of time talking about some upcoming announcements, which I think we'll be covering on a future webcast. We spent uh, quite a bit of time on what I just mentioned, that in the same account, there are different buyers for storage, and here's the things they look for. And then I think we had kind of a fun session as well. We kind of had, an, in the spirit of an unconference, we kind of had an unpresentation, you know, on HCI. And, you know, what are their requirements for HCI? And throughout really the past two days, and particularly, you know, my session, what was interesting is that all these existential discussions now around how does cloud change the business model for a VAR? You know, where is their value add in a cloud or a flash context? You know, HCI just further exacerbates that discussion because if you're not just trying to simplify storage, which potentially takes away some services revenue from a reseller, uh, but if you're trying to simplify the entire end-to-end infrastructure that existing and new apps run on, then you're further and further eroding existing services that resellers tend to, you know, have their high profit margins on. So it, it comes back to the question of the technology is a really fun discussion, always will be. But there's some very real, very tangible, visible challenges to business models now. NetApp's business models, our partners' business models that we all have to address. And, uh, and it's one of the big themes I've been using lately, which is we call it the digital revolution, call it you know, the digital transformation. But all sorts of businesses now are transforming. NetApp is transforming. Our customers are transforming. And our, our go-to-market you know, through our channel partners is transforming. And, and that's probably... Maybe it should have been expected, but it was the unexpected benefit of these two days with, with our partners, the A-team here, was understanding where their business is today, but also beginning to have the discussions of where their businesses need to go to for next year and the year beyond. So you're telling me that HCI is much more than the next shiny object? Much, much more. Yeah. All right, so the A-team, when they come into these ETL events, they are renowned for being very 
I don't know, snarky. Is that the right word? No, it's more honest, right? I mean, and, and, candid. Candid. So all I, of them apply. And I, and I actually applied it to the analogy of being a family, right? When you're in a family, you can tell the other members of your family if they're being an idiot or not, right? You know, stop doing that. It's an intervention of sorts. So it's only fair that we turn it around onto the A-team. So we're going to have an intervention for the A-team. And I'm going to ask Val the same question that I'd ask, you know, the A-team about NetUp. So, Val, what do you see as the direction of the A-team and where they could improve? So the candor and the snark are some of the best qualities of the A-team. And I think it's kind of best exemplified in, in the insanely huge volume on the various Slack channels we have for the A-team there. I honestly can't keep up with it all, but I try as best as I can to, to get a gist of what's going on. I have to actually review some of the cool traffic because I think it's a really good, good record of what happened the past two days and, and, the, and the sort of real initial impressions for all the presenters, myself included. But having said that, the mixed blessing is that I'd love to see some of the enthusiasm on the Slack channel transferred over to you know non-private venues, namely Twitter, LinkedIn, you know Facebook to the extent you use it for business. Uh, we need to share all the coolness, you know, good and bad in terms of real, honest opinions, credible and authentic opinions. We need to share that far more broadly than just amongst ourselves inside the team. So that's my call to action. CTA apparently is a marketing acronym now, so. My call to action is that we need to take some of this discussion, sometimes good, bad, or ugly, and within reason, but clearly, you know, with as much of a positive influence as possible, we need to take that outside of Slack. And yeah. we need to get it out on Twitter, in particular, what I prefer, you know, subjectively, uh, to a certain extent, LinkedIn as well, and maybe in a slightly more curated, moderated sense. But we just need to get uh, a lot of that volume out of Slack because the whole point of the A team, the reason that app invests in the A team, is yeah to learn what's going on about the business about the technology but to leverage the reach that they have to their customers and the reach that they have quite frankly outside of their customer base as influencers you know uh, in the industry and the proportion i think is just out of whack right now there's just way too much slack conversation really fun slack conversation going on giphy's a blast right but it is but you know really fun conversation and just not enough value add outside of slack you know to the rest of the business theirs and ours it's actually a common criticism of slack channels in general right well while slack is a innovation in collaboration it is also a black hole mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> you know there's actually uh, some recent psychological studies coming out saying that group chat and stuff like that can actually cause a substantial amount of apprehensiveness in in the members of that chat yeah you know as val was saying right there's a lot of conversation that goes on in there I have no hope whatsoever of keeping up with all of it. So, and I, I've come to terms with that. It, it doesn't bother me, but I do know that there are people who uh, it's it's. Uh, I have to have inbox zero. I have to have no unread <laughs> messages. Right in. That that's me. I do that. Totally me. I can't stand seeing somebody's inbox with like six thousand unreads. I'm like, what are you doing? What is so, wrong with you? I'm about to drive you crazy here. Oh, Watch. I've on, got no, I've got on my on my home screen alone. 29,823 unreads on Gmail. Only 190. That's pretty impressive, but that's not all the, all the DLs on Outlook. Those 29,000 are just from this morning. So Right. And then, you know, five on Twitter, nine on Facebook, three on Slack. Those are oh, small numbers. Man. So I am not an inbox zero person. My, my OCD is just twitching right now. I love yeah. Andrew's expression of come to terms because that's exactly what I do is I've come to terms a long time ago with never being able to be an inbox zero person. Yeah. And I've recently come to terms with never being able to be a Slack, you know, zero notification. So, person. so to that end, if, if you're interested in being a zero inbox person, and you do have a, you know, I get I get a decent amount of email, you know, just even internal to NetApp. But what, the way I handle it is I, I 
basically just categorize everything into folders. So my inbox itself is so filtered down that it's not as overwhelming to manage. So I may have like 30 unreads in my like, you know, DLs that I never read, <laughs> but that's okay, right? I have, all I'm my hearing, important emails are up front. All I'm hearing is you need way more emails. Exactly. Until we, <laughs> until we break your Send world. more emails Justin to, to Andrew at. Sullivan. At. <laughs> okay, okay, that's enough, guys, that's enough of that. All right, so, um, what, so to one point of the, the A-team, you know, in, engaging in social media and Twitter and that sort of thing, the one thing we, they, I do see them doing a good job of is if we see somebody spreading misinformation about either us or just even competitors, you know, saying, oh, we do this, awesome, and we're like, uh, really? We do a good job of sicking them out there. <laughs> we're like, attack, right? You know, so they go out there and do a good job of defending the fort, you know, and making sure that the right information is out there and making sure that there's not this information, misinformation and FUD being spread. But, you know, outside of that, you know, more blogs, of course, more positive advocacy, you know, and being able to just articulate the overall messaging. Um, there's some guys that do a great job of it, just more of that we'd like to see overall from the A-team. Yeah, and I'm not going to name names, but I know a bunch of them are playing around with some really fun lab environments, whether it was a little Ravello stuff or just Vagrant environments or some of our new lab on demand. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, document that stuff, even in tweets, you know, just yeah. microblog it in tweets, blog it, do whatever you need to, but just share your experiences, good, bad, or ugly, because there's various forms of innovation there, and they're all very well-kept secrets if we don't talk about You're them. only an expert if people know you are. But I do want to point out that we, we, we don't want just our A-team members to do that, right? Anybody, right? Whether you're a customer, whether you're a partner, whether you're yeah. an employee, right? Share that information and, and know that, you know, we as the podcast team, right, we as a marketing organization, right, we're, we're here to amplify that, to talk about that and showcase all the really cool stuff that's going on. And you're an awesome straight man, Andrew, because what, one of the main things I want to do in the solid fire off to the CTO is not restrict innovation to just, you know, people that report to me or just people in engineering yeah. and in your organization. We know FlexPod, Snap Center, on and on and on. There's perfect example of the best, most profitable innovation tends to occur further outside of engineering and closer to customers. Yes. And so the point is innovation happens everywhere, inside the company, within our partners, within our customers' environments. What I want to do is learn about it and amplify it. Right? So that's one of the main functions of an office of the CTO is to capture all the innovation that we're aware of you know, find out more about it, typically find out how much more cool it is than even the headline, and then just, you know, create awareness, information, education around all that coolness. So, you know, if, if you're doing something cool, if you're listening to this podcast, doing something cool, or knows a colleague that's doing something cool, val, uh, valb at netapp.com, please, or val.burkevici if you want at solidfire.com. I don't your, even know if that works. What's your Twitter there. handle if they don't know? Valbu, which is a valb with two zeros at the end. All right, excellent. All right, Val, thanks a lot for coming and talking about the ETL with us. Thanks again also for presenting at the ETL. The A-team, I am sure, appreciates it. Um, and you know, I'm sure we'll be talking again very, very soon. Can't wait. I love that, dude. Yeah, Val is good people. Um, and, you know, just so smart, just yeah. very well uh, versed in a lot of different areas. Uh, sometimes he, he asks questions that I'm like, okay, I haven't heard of that yet. But I'll get back to you, maybe? <laughs> And we, he actually asked uh, Andrew and I about Lambda, and I was like, Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. I couldn't remember the, the, what Lambda was, and Andrew's like, of course, Andrew knew what that yeah. was, and just <laughs> immediately <laughs> answered. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, Andrew's here. <laughs> I will say that that was, that was only uh, a part of the conversation that we had with Val, right? That was only the A-team-specific part. We got to, to record some audio for uh, 
Solid Fire's upcoming uh, a thing on mm. June 2nd. Yes, so sir. when Solid Fire will change the storage industry. You know, all hyperbole aside, I actually think that, that the hype that, that, that's being driven up, up around this announcement is somewhat deserved. Uh, it, it, I'm actually pretty... Uh, no, let me rephrase that. I'm excited. Like, I think it's actually a big deal. I think, I think what it's they're a great doing idea. Is, yeah. I think is, it's a great idea. We get to hear about it, of course, because we're yeah. cool. It's... Uh, you know, for as much as people run around proclaiming things in this business and, and try to, to, to look at IDC and Gartner data and, and, and pick winners, um, sometimes I think that we forget that these are companies with brains and lots of smart people who are constantly moving, and, and those, those like magic quadrant charts are drawn once a year. You know, um, for, me, for me, you know, I can't really go into what it is. Yeah. But when I think about it, you know, you, you have a lot of companies that look at what has been happening with the market, right? Like, yeah. And then they try to catch up, you know. But this is the, the announcement that's coming up is more of a we're going to lead the market to this yes. direction. You're going to have to follow us because if you don't, we're going to just obliterate you. That, yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and stop talking about this before we get the three of us in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> but but needless <laughs> to say, June second, be there, be square. It's it's a big deal, guys. Yeah, there'll, there'll be a I guess an analyst day or something yep. where they're they're talking about this. There's some people from NetApp that'll be there. I think Curian's going to be there and a few others. Um, so yep. you know, stay tuned for that, and we'll actually have the interview played that week. And in the meantime, if uh, if you manage to to corner Val or, or or Jeremiah or Gabe somewhere out on the road, maybe you can twist their nipple and get them to tell you. Purple nurple? Purple nurple. I don't think anyone's ever said purple nurple on a podcast. I just want to see someone walk up to Val and go, eek. Video or it didn't happen. <laughs> Let's periscope that. Yeah. Sorry, Val. Okay, we actually had one more interview here. Uh, we got Joel Kaufman to talk to us about his presentation. He actually did a presentation for the management software piece at the ETL. And we want to hear his thoughts on what, how he thought it went and you know what he thinks about the NetApp A-team as, as a whole. So... We'll have Joel talk about it here right now. All right, Joel Kaufman is here with us. Uh, Joel actually spoke at the NetApp ETL uh, when we were out there. Joel, tell us about the presentation you gave, You know, not without revealing too much, of course, because I'm sure some of that was NDA, and the reaction you got and how you took that back as feedback. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Um, so the A-team, you know, really interesting. I... I came in the room and I brought a few product managers with me. So I, I, I work in the manageability team where I, I run a bunch of the tech marketing engineers who help build best practices around our, our various management products, um, both on the storage side and also on like the, the data end side, right? Things like Snap Center and, and uh, uh, on-command performance manager and, and tools like that. And so uh, coming in, I, I, knew, I knew that the A-team was going to be very candid, right? They've proven that many, many times. Uh, but the level of candid, candidness, let, let's be clear, they, they know ex they've known me for a while, and they know exactly how to get very pointed <laughs> when, when needed. Um, but I think it was really good, right? Um, the value that they continue to bring is that if we ever – really want to get a great view of, you know, a, a wide variety of, of, of an aggregation of here's what customers are really asking for. Uh, they provide that view. And so, you know, they give, they give us a very candid opinion of here's what's working, here's what 
isn't working or, or both from a process and a product set. And so the nice thing is, is that we had the senior director of product management in there, Adam Hawley, and he got to hear all of this firsthand and, and combined Adam and I actually took all of the feedback and rolled it up into a, a fairly high level, long email with a lot of details and we rolled it up through the executive chain already, and we've already started to get some some initial responses to it. Uh, but it's 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 very encouraging that uh, to me that there's a, a high level of information that's coming out, and we're able to really ingest it and begin to look at it to see where we can help and 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 really improve our product set. Uh, it's incredibly valuable. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the the feedback cycle in general before the NetApp 18 was around was hard to wrap your hands around, right? I mean, it was you you'd maybe would get an email occasionally, maybe you'd get some feedback from the field, but it was rare when it was right from the horse's mouth. And what the A team allows us to do is get that feedback in real time from the people that are on the front lines that are not NetApp biased, right? I mean, they like NetApp, but they're not like beholden to NetApp. A- absolutely. And the other thing that makes it really nice is that, you know, from a product management standpoint, we can sit there and go ahead and pick uh, uh, all of the different customers and the partners and talk to them one at a time and then keep going. And it's a, it's a, it's, it's a really extensive process, um, you know, getting that feedback. And there's so many different avenues. But when you get 20 plus people in one room, and you open it up wide and you, you scope the conversation a little bit just to, to try and rein it in. Uh, Justin, you were there and you, you saw it definitely. There, there are moments that 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 candidate that that candid moment uh, where it, it, it spreads. So you do have to have some control on it. But uh, but yeah, getting it all at once like that consolidated and the different people keying off each other and reminding, oh, yeah, here's something that, you know, XYZ customer ran into over here. And then another person says, yep, I, I agree. I've seen this. But here's another variant of it that you need to be aware of that impacts how how customers are consuming this type of, of tools and so on. Uh Absolutely great in a very simple way of getting that information. Now, they hit you guys a little harder than most. So how did you guys take that in terms of, you know, was it personal or did you take it as like a breath of fresh air that, you know, you're not always getting people telling you how great you are? I mean, what what was it like? (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm not sure I've had anyone tell me how great I am uh, for a while. So (laughs) So that's pretty good. no, we, we don't take it personal, right? This, this is business. And, and the fact of the matter is, is, is I see an evolution of NetApp um, going on right now, right? We, we were, you know, that startup type of culture from years and years and years ago uh, was great and we were wide open. But to be frank, we've had our moments of being more inward focused uh, instead, of, instead of opening up and, and being and being uh, accepting of, of outside input. And what I've noticed uh, going back for about, I'd say, a couple years now, um, but recently it's really gotten there, 
is is there's a much more willingness across NetApp and, and definitely in, in the team that I'm working with uh, to say, stop, take a deep breath. They're not telling us our baby is is ugly. What they're telling us is here's how to put makeup and make the baby beautiful. So let's really try and and, and ingest that feedback and, and try and make as many actionable things as possible. Um, there's there's a lot of work on the back end. You know, let, let, let's be clear. You know, we can't just uh, sit there and and take every suggestion, act on everything. We have, you know, but we we, like I said, we we put together an email chain that's going up and said, here's the consolidated themes. Here's a couple of things that we think are very actionable out of that feedback, and also here's how we need to steer our future. Uh, so yeah, I th- I think. I think in this case, it's business. We're we're open and we're trying to make that change happen. And you're saying this from someone who's been here, what, like 19 years, 17 years? How long has it been? uh, Just past 17 years. uh, I'm the old man. You've seen it all. (laughs) Yeah. Somewhat, yeah. So out of the feedback you got, what struck you the most? What was the biggest thing that you took back and and either, you know, have been saying for a while or something that you knew that needed to be addressed and that got addressed? Some of the feedback that we got was very interesting. The biggest one that that we that we took away, and we we kind of had an inclination that this was happening. Let me let me rephrase that. We it was more than an inclination. We know it's happening. What we didn't expect was the feedback on how fast it's happening, and that is that the rate of change in the market right now, both for manageability tools as well as the direction of overall systems integration is is changing so fast that we need to seriously rethink our tool set uh, moving forward um, because and we have to rapidly iterate at, in a much faster pace that than we have you know going back you know four or five years. Um, because the market is changing, you, you know, no one expected how fast the flash ad- adoption would be out in the market. No one expected how quickly the rise of certain tools like OpenStack, right? You know, overarching orchestrators and things like that. So, how do we address those markets which are changing really rapidly, and yet at the same time be agile enough? Because e- e- even though even though those markets are changing. There may not be a clear leader. So how do we place our bet correctly? So the big takeaway that we got from from uh, from the A team is that the market has it is moving and is changing so fast that we we at NetApp we actually better make our own internal processes much more agile to help keep up with that with that rate of change. So you've been in this back Slack channels. You've been a member of the A team for a while now. Um, you know because we have Net, NetApp technical advisors. You know I'm one of them. You're one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Andrew and Glenn are one, you know, also in them involved in that. So, what are your feelings overall of the program for the NetApp A team, and you know, you know, how are you promoting it within NetApp? Yeah, um, I the way I'm promoting it within NetApp right now is very interesting. Uh, I'm not going to give specific numbers, but when I take a look at the combined revenue and pull. So, a tiny bit of history. I used to be actually in our NetApp channel program. I helped. Uh, develop what was what's called the technical partner manager program. This is going back, you know, eight nine years, and so so I have that that bit of focus on on 
you know, what the channel can bring to an organization. Um, and one of the ways that I look at it internally is that a channel partner or, or a certain group of them should almost be treated as a top enterprise account. If, if you look in aggregation around the team that was at the table uh, uh, over the last couple of days, their companies do revenue for NetApp of you know an incredibly large amount. Um, it, I would not be surprised if that number was over a half billion dollars for the, for all the various reseller companies that were represented. And then individually, the people at the table, you know, God knows how many millions of dollars they directly impact. So taking that type of influence and internally going to people and saying, you don't understand this, this is real dollars attached. It's not just someone's opinion. This is, these are guys who are making their living on this. So how do we help them be more successful and drive those numbers even higher for the, for their companies? Some really good insights there. I mean, you know, it's good to hear from somebody who's been here a while, understand that there's change that needs to happen and rather than just sitting there and, and suggesting that maybe we're doing it the right way still. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think everyone uh, who's here in this podcast knows that NetApp has had uh, um, a rather dynamic uh, uh, set of changes that have happened, <laughs> you know, and our history is... Uh, for better or worse, out there on the, on social media, uh, quite a bit with with everyone's opinion, but but the reality is right now is is looking at it from a historical standpoint, we've really we we have we, there is a fundamental change that is I believe is happening, and the the more that we can pull in these external views and really have the stakeholders in the company, both internal and external, like the A team and those partners be involved with it, the greater our ability uh, moving forward to, to to try and keep the company successful and, and do a lot of really good things for our customers. Uh, you know, that that's as simple as it gets, in my opinion. All right, Joel, thanks so much for stopping by and chatting with us about the uh, NetApp A-Team ETL. And uh, if you ever want to come back, uh, let us know. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Justin. Appreciate it. Yep, no problem. I have to keep reminding myself that that guy's just not a TME on our team anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, it's, you know, it's like it's 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 weird. You know, he's like at this higher level of like you know positioning, but he he still understands the the lower level stuff that you know we work on. And I mean, not lower level isn't like you know dumbing it down, I, but but yeah, like the the business side meets the customer side meets the technical side. He still has that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, that's that's the benefit of of uh, being a recent management lobotomy. Yeah, it's true. Over, over time, <laughs> that fades. Yeah, yeah. You know, he it, Joel's funny, right? I used to work for Joel, and seeing him go from TME yeah. to to manager to now director, uh, you know, he's he's doing really fantastic at that. Absolutely, and he definitely gets you know as as the director inside of the manageability products group he definitely gets the issues that people see and uh this the session he gave was one of the better ones i think in that um nothing they said was surprising to him right and and yep. you know it's might have been a little a few sharp sticks in there but he definitely was was aware of it so and actually he's been saying it for a while himself so i mean he's he's on top of it already it's just a matter of getting that extra boost from from the external side 
Well, I mean, it's it's a hard problem, right? I mean, if 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 you're if you're sitting in a room and you've got you know two two very smart people who have two differing opinions on what they think the product should do going forward, you know, settling that that conflict. Typically, it's just done by like going and asking a third or or going and escalating up to a boss. But the the more modern way of going about this is taking the problem to a customer who actually pays for the damn thing and going, okay, well, we got two choices here. Which one of these two would would you be more interested in? And and honestly, the A Team ETL is is a organizational way to do that company wide. It's an organizational way for us to take a one point a a a a spotlight in the d- the dev cycle and all these plans that we've constantly been working on and just sit everybody down and and cycle them through there for 48 hours just constantly okay well here's what we're doing you know here's what we're doing here's what we're doing here's what we're doing and just gather that feedback all at once and and while some of those presentations from the ETL's perspective from the 18's perspective may have been like well that was kind of I w- that one was weird, or man, that one was exciting. But but I think behind the scenes, these are all just feedback mechanisms. So it, you know the the theme of the Joel management software uh, presentation was you know simplicity and that sort of thing. And Andrew all week kept repeating the same uh, story over and over again. Which to me, I've heard it multiple times, and it's not cool anymore. But for those of you who haven't heard it, I'm going to give Andrew the opportunity to tell his story about manageability. Yeah, th- thanks, Justin. Yeah, way to put me on the spot. No, you'd think I'd be used to. I don't. It now, right? It's not putting you on the <laughs> spot because you had this down to a science I, at this point. No. Uh, so it's funny, right? I was talking with Chris Gebhardt one day, um, and we were talking about simplicity, right? And simplicity is something that NetApp has been talking about and driving for in all of our management products, and even, you know, even beyond management products for a number of years, for longer than I have worked here. Uh, we've been talking about it, and. The th- what occurred to me was that, you know, yes, it's a little bit uh, uh, semantics, right, or, or, or where's Dan Isaacs? Pedantic, right? Um, but simplicity is not necessarily the answer, right? It's usability. And the use case that I or the example that I give is an iPhone, Yep. right? That is arguably the most complex device that you have ever put in your pocket, right? But my two-year-old can pick up an iPhone or an iPad and use it intuitively, right? Suss it out. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't have to show her anything. So, you know, yes. Do we have complex products? Absolutely. Is there anything wrong with that? No, so long as they are usable. You know it's usable because they can just buy lots of in-game purchases and then run up your your phone bill to thousands of dollars. Well, I, I, I love the iPhone example because it, some of the most just – obtuse things you could pop like all of the gesture stuff you know like okay so if you push hard on the screen you get this menu but if you just lightly tap you get that menu and if it's two fingers and you swipe to the left then this happens but if it's one finger and up from the bottom then that happens and and it's all so contextual it's incredibly incredibly complicated but it turns out that people have no problem with that like the human the human brain just deals with that it just maps it in, and it becomes intuitive, and it's second nature. So it's all about the access to those controls and allowing someone to move up through that, that kata process and get to that transcendence phase where they can just start to use it. They don't have to think about it. Yeah, and, and inside of our own portfolio, right, the great example is SolidFire. Yep. SolidFire is no less complex of a storage platform than, than ONTAP or E-Series or Storage Grid or anything else, right? But they have this really friendly set of interfaces on top of it that make it usable. 
one of my favorite gestures of the iPhone is the angry delete. Where like you're just so mad at something, you just press down on it really hard. And you're like, and it just starts shaking angrily. And you just <laughs> click and delete, and then your problem's <laughs> solved. It's a stress reliever. But yeah, so I mean, to the point about the complexity argument, you know, you know, there's competitors that are touting how easy it is to install and get something set up. And one of the the counter arguments I've always heard is you only install it once. Yeah, that's right? always been my. So after you've installed it, what are you doing? You know, you're supporting it. And how easy is it to support? Okay, great. Well, then how easy is it to fix when something goes wrong? And that's when you start seeing the complexity. That's when it gets hard. Yep. Because it's all behind the scenes at that point. So the idea is to make it so it doesn't break very often, so it seems easy all the time. But, yeah, that initial upfront ease of use is where people really want to have that that usability experience. Yeah, again, you know, the iPhone's a great example of that. You know, it's it's all fun and games till that thing starts to break. Yeah. You ever try to switch a battery out on that thing? A lot of fun there. Yeah, precisely. There's a reason why there's 15-minute YouTube videos out there of that. It's not user-serviceable. Come on, Justin. Stop trying to... I'm going to say that I've never done that to my phone so that my warranty never never voids. Okay, that's done. I'm going to say that I've never successfully put an iPhone back together. I've done iPads. I've I've never got an iPhone back together. Those have always been one-way trips. Yeah, they're very tiny little pieces in there. I've gotten it back together. I switched out the battery. I I had to switch the screen because the battery was, like, expanding and pushing the screen out, so I had to get a new screen. Yeah, so I'm going to go back to a flip phone so that way I can... Like Jay Goldfinch? (laughs) Jay Goldfinch used to run around here with, like, a Nokia from, like, 1986 and just, like, what? what? I don't don't need the Internet. (laughs) Which is hilarious because he was so smart, but it's like, man, dude, he's like, I, he was always getting lost, of course, because those things didn't have GPS or maps. Had text messages though. He would text oh my you. god, yeah, the worst text message ever. A A A A A B B B B five 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 two 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 seven seven. Yeah. So there's something to be said though, particularly with cars, about tactile buttons. Totally. Right. The, I I strongly dislike touchscreens in a vehicle because I have to actually I'm, look at the screen. I'm actually not a huge fan of Telstra for that very reason. I don't think they're very nice cars because uh, I'm not a huge fan of the giant touchscreen center console. I, I, I'm very much with you. Cars need to be analog controls for that reason. Like, your eyes are on the road. Everything else needs to just be something you reach out and touch. But what if the car is just basically kind of the beta in, in you know, leading you up to the self-driving? Well, that's completely different because now I'm in the back seat screwing around on my phone, and I don't care. Well, what if you have a giant screen where you could do that, right? Well, that's even better. Yeah. You know, I can so, raid on the way into work. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, I think that, that's where the, the user display comes in on the Tesla to kind of get you ready for when that self-driving aspect comes in. Which, um, by the way, we need that now because traffic would pretty much go away if that happened. We, you know, all the rubbernecking. There's like some study that showed that you only need one person to rubberneck to start Dude, to start a traffic jam. It, uh, it, it's yeah, it's a pet peeve of mine. That that and the other pet peeve of mine, driving. Uh, I don't know how we got here, but but I'll share it anyways. Is people who merge too early. When a lane is ending in 1500 feet, you're not supposed to get over the first time you see that sign. You merge when the lane actually ends. People getting over too soon. They're, they're artificially restricting the capacity of the road. You're restricting the throughput, and they're actually causing 
traffic jams. I'd actually argue that you get over when you can, right? So when there's an opening, you don't wait till the end of the the lane you're, because that's when you're bottlenecking no, everybody. No, you're supposed by DOT standards. There's this thing called the zipper merge. You're supposed to wait until the lane ends, and then when the lane ends, it's one then the other, and you zipper merge in just like a zipper and and a buckle. All I'm going to point out is Glenn's from the northeast, and where there's one always road construction and two lots of angry drivers. So there's they're angry I'm, because of how they're merging it. <laughs> Zipper merge. I'm hey. from the south where like the left lane, that's the that's the perusing lane, right? It is. And the right lane is where you pass. Like where the, right, right, right before it ends, you need to go all the way to the front and get ahead of everybody so you're like 3 seconds sooner than everyone else. Yes, yes, I am a self-proclaimed asshole when it comes to driving. Deal with it. The, there are <laughs> rules to the road and and I need everyone around here to start following them so that my morning commute can be a little more pleasant. And Glenn is why we need self-driving cars. Absolutely. All right, we went from uh NetApp A team to ETL to usability to self-driving cars. Something classic something. tech on tap podcast moments there. Uh we're going to wrap this up if you want to get in touch with us, podcast at netup.com. And I'm saying this because we can you can send in questions to us to answer or have topics for shows if you want to get topics for shows. Sometimes we get topics that you know may not fit into an hour-long podcast, but we'll try to fit it in if we can. That said, I was able to secure funding for things, so I can actually get some more swag. I, I can send you things now. Well, and, and I'll go ahead and, and, and I'll raise that ante a little bit. Um, so, so a- Andrew and I recently finished a book. Um, I, I have many copies of said book that, that my wife has told me to get out of the house. So, Ooh, an Andrew and Glenn Sizemore book. Yeah. If you'd like to learn how to automate vSphere 6 with PowerCLI, then feel free to send a question into podcast at netapp.com. And if you want, I'll draw a picture to just kind of like put in there. Yeah. Like a stick figure or yeah, something. Yeah, Andrew and I aren't signing the book, but Justin's going to draw s- stick figures. I'll totally draw a stick figure yeah. with, with a NetApp t-shirt on it. Done. All right, so again, podcast at netapp.com if you want to get uh, your hands on a book or a sticker or something along those lines. Or a stick figure drawing. I may, I can, if you just want that, I'll just send you one. You know? yeah, I'm pretty sure you can just tweet at NFS Dude Abides and he'll draw you a stick figure picture. In, on, on demand. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, stick figure as a service. Yes. Staz. I want a limerick. <laughs> you want a limerick? Can you, can you write me a limerick? I, I could. I was an English major. Silence. So many things are making sense right now. Silence. It's just, it's all falling in place. All right, that music tells me it is time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes or SoundCloud or via techcontentpodcast.com. We're also on Stitcher now. Yeah. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of Glenn and Andrew and the NetApp A-Team and Sam Moulton, thanks for listening. We ran to Pete over the week. Did you? Yeah, Pedro oh, Arrow, yeah. if you don't remember him. Did, did, did you get my portable mic from him? Um, he'll have to t- fill you on what happened with that. So, you know, you can track him down. I, I know where he lives if you okay. want to find him. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah. Because I keep hearing road audio on this podcast, and every time I'm just like, that's my mic, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, whatever. He's also getting on me about not doing the green reading.